I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore. I'm so thrilled to have on my latest Comscore Many Screens Big Picture Podcast, Mark Cohen. First of all, Mark Cohen, full disclosure, is one of my oldest friends, one of my greatest friends also in the business, one of the first people I ever met back when I was a wee pup working at a Zibber Relations company back in the early 90s. 1993 is when I started there. I met Mark Cohen just a couple of years thereafter, maybe in 94 or 95. And Mark is an entertainment marketing and public relations executive, but he's developed innovative campaigns incorporating traditional media and digital marketing strategies. Most recently, Mark has founded the Cohen Marketing and Consulting Group, whose clients include Warner Brothers Pictures, Home Entertainment for Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Home Entertainment, Head Fund Manager Anthony Scaramucci, and Adidas. And Mark has an incredible background. Mark, I'm going to stop talking so you can talk. Welcome to Many Screens Big Picture. Thank you very much for that welcome. And thank you for thinking that I would be, or hopefully will be a good guest. I'm honored to be asked. And I want to start with something very deep, very emotional for me. That's the restaurant in Westwood that we used to go to that you introduced me to, <laughs> Stefano's. Mark, is DeStefano's still in Westwood? It is not. Unfortunately, I don't even know what year it left. It would say, I'm going to guess around 2000. I used to live out there in Westwood. And so going to Westwood Village to meet, and I know you live near there too. We both have like our bachelor pad condos in the Westwood area back in the 90s. Yeah. Remember this, that I went to your place once, you go, check this out. And I go, what? You go, look at these videos. Oh, yeah. And this was back in the early Blu-ray days, but certainly DVD days. Early DVD days. Yeah, early DVD days. And Mark had a collection of DVDs, because I'm thinking, oh, I got a really good collection. Like, I, Mark isn't going to impress me with this DVD collection. I walk in there, and I think you had an entire closet, I mean, with beautifully put together racks. You had, like, this incredible assortment of dvds also you had a really cool tv like the high-tech home theater at the time in the 90s and that was just so cool i was like this guy is bringing it he loves movies for sure yeah that was quite a collection that i'd say essentially no more um or severely cut down thanks to my wife <laughs> who's been saying for many many years that dvds are out and you need to get rid of them but so many of them i can't get rid of they just mean a lot to me and especially where things come and go on streaming services i think it's always better to keep at least the movies that i love yeah going back to the stefanos for a second i remember that's the first time we met in person we had talked on the phone for i don't even know how long and we said let's meet we had both i forget if i i'm sure i had been there before i had never been there you introduced me to that place yeah yeah it was great I and mean, i think we even had like a couple of waiters who essentially knew what we wanted and it's really great service you know what i liked about it too mark it felt like a new york storefront restaurant you know where you have the windows the big windows you have the tables yeah i don't think there were any booths but it was like tables the kitchens in the back and just felt like being transported to new york maybe in the the 50s or 60s so that was a really cool cool it was great yeah i believe family run you know as opposed to the uh big italian mess halls that's right and those big chains and all that and i know that at that time i believe i know that you really started out early on in your career you know in entertainment marketing 
in Phoenix as a publicity and promotions coordinator. You're going way back. Yeah, while I was going to Arizona State University, I became the Warner Brothers College intern for ASU, and I think it was like eight community colleges in the Phoenix area. In addition to working for Warner Brothers, I worked for the local field agency in Phoenix who rep almost every studio for Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, and Las Vegas. So I really got introduced to that whole world, I think, in an incredible fashion, working on, you know, Warner Brothers films on campus, but almost every studio's um, in these regional markets doing promotions, doing publicity stuff. And I personally love the promotional stuff. One of my favorites back then, who I actually recently told this story to, was the Denzel Washington movie Ricochet. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I do remember so that was about to come out, and Warner Brothers said to all the uh, interns, you're going to have screenings on campus and do whatever you can. Well, just before that, the was the Arizona Department of Public Safety, which is especially the state police, they ran everything on campus. They had been written up about in Arizona Republic, it was on local TV, for basically how they were abusing their privileges and going after college students and, yeah, the early days of what happens now. It was like nothing absolutely major, but the media went after them. So I walked into their office one day and said, I need to talk to the chief. And the woman at the counter is like, and who are you? And I'm like, I'm the one that's going to change your reputation. She's like, excuse me and i'm like i was just gotta talk to whoever's in charge so got in i don't think it was the chief or whatever they're called at the time but whoever i spoke to i'm like so i've got this denzel washington movie he's a cop i'm having a screening on campus and you guys have a really bad pr problem right now oh okay so they actually had bike police on campus that they would come out of hiding between a building or trees and they'd go after students who they thought were riding their bikes too fast. If they were on skateboards in an area, no skateboards were allowed, whatever. So I said, okay, having the screening, I want you to pull as many people over as you can and say, hey, you know, we're really sorry, we got to give you a ticket. And when they start freaking out, you say, not the ticket you're thinking, and then whip out a movie ticket to the movie. <laughs> Love that. And... This officer was like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is going to be pretty good for you guys. And he's like, we're in. He's like, how many tickets can we have? And we ended up having two screenings because they ended up going <laughs> crazy giving out the tickets. I love this idea, Mark. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Along with that came local Phoenix Press writing about that. And they got everything out of it that they wanted. And same with me. Wow. So Barclay Communications was a PR firm, and that's how you kind of dipped your toe in the water of publicity and promotions and public relations, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it goes way back before that when I was in high school, but I won't bore you with that. That's how I actually found out about the college internship. I worked with the Warner College rep in Boston, who is someone I'm sure you know, Laura Kim. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she told me back then when I got into ASU who to reach out to. Everything worked out really well. That is so cool. We'll get to the Warner Brothers part because it just shows that when you plant the seed of that professionalism and innovation and everything you were doing in college and working with Warner Brothers at that time, it would lead to bigger and better things at Warner's for you. But I want to go in a little more chronological order and talk about your time as a segment producer for the entertainment news program Extra. 
Yes. Extra, extra. <laughs> extra, extra. I think that's probably the second time I've ever done that. So yeah, I moved out here. I had everything planned that I was going to get a job at Warner Brother or Disney. Moved to the Valley against the handful of people that I knew in L.A. Wishes, they all said, don't go to the Valley. I'm like, I don't want to spend, you know, hours in the car. By the way, I love the Valley. <laughs> yes, me too. I'm, I'm back here. Yeah, I was trying to get a job. I graduated in December thinking like there won't be thousands of people graduating. It'll be easy. Well, as I found out, the Hollywood shuts down for the month of December and half of January. So I started temping at Warner Brothers. I went to the temp agency and said, I don't want to work anywhere but Warner Brothers. Luckily, I think it was my second temp job was the receptionist in the HR department. And one of the functions was folding rejection letters and putting them in envelopes and mailing them out. Well, there were three letters addressed to myself in there, which was pretty funny. So I told my boss, I'll save you the postage. I love that. And the woman I worked for was in charge of placing temps throughout the studio. Very good person to work for. And I ended up working for her for the next two days at her desk. And then one more day and Northridge earthquake hit. Ah, 94. 94. We're almost at 30 years out here. Yeah. So my apartment in the valley was destroyed and I took a little bit of time off from looking and basically called the temp agency. I'm like, I'm ready. That afternoon they called. They're like, okay, there's this Warner Brothers TV show. They need a receptionist. And I'm like, what's the show? And they told me entertainment news television. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember reading about that in the trades when I was in college that this was Warner's attempt at entertainment tonight. Went there, got hired. The first day I was there was a Thursday and my boss, I thought, had made a joke about saying she wanted me to stay permanently. I come in on Friday and she's like, what's your answer? I'm like, about what? And she's like, are you staying or are you going? And I'm like, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> she's like, there's no time to joke around here. And she's like, so here's the deal. You've got the weekend to think about it. If you want to stay, come back Monday. If you don't, tell the temp agency to send someone else. So where I thought I was on a clear path to get to a studio and you know PR marketing um, was delayed a bit and went to ENT. And this I was the sixth employee and it grew to be renamed to Extra. Wow, Mark, I didn't know that history. I didn't know that Extra sprung from, what did you call it? Entertainment News? That was the working title, Entertainment News Television. So when everyone decided internally to rename it to Extra, I was responsible for the first promo item. Went to the store and bought a couple hundred packs of Extra gum. <laughs> like, no joke, we had it all <laughs> over the office. Anyone that came in for job interviews like left with multiple packs of it. And it was pretty funny. Yeah, that... Ended up happening, and I became a segment producer dealing with film and home entertainment, which big reason I had so many of those DVDs and Laserdiscs, if you can remember those. Yeah. Oh, I remember the Laserdisc thing. Yeah. I did that too. How long were you there at Extra? I was there for three and a half years. Went through all different incarnations of it being an entertainment show, being a tabloid show, but I luckily was stuck to doing film. I worked with Pete Hammond. And the two of us strictly did film. When it was a tabloid show, we got to go to the AMC Burbank and spend our day seeing movies, which was great. So from there, I went to Disney. And let me stop you there because Pete Hammond, just a great guy. He's been a guest on many screens, 
big picture podcast before. We go way, way, way back. I know as you do with him as well. And he loves film. You could talk to Pete Hammond all day and all night about movies. He's just a fount of information. But I love that. And so you were- He's the best. He's the best. And uh, it's so cool that you were there at Extra. And then where did you go next after Extra? And what year when you moved on to a studio? So I started at Extra in 1994 and went to Disney uh, in fall of 97. And in between that, that is when you and I met. That's right. And can I tell the story, the Lucky Charms story? I have to. From Disney, yes. Yeah, so growing up, Lucky Charms was one of my favorite cereals. I love my Lucky Charms. But as a kid, I would pick out all the charms, you know, the little marshmallows, the green clovers, the yellow hearts or whatever, <laughs> different little mini marshmallow, different multicolored, I'm sure very healthy for me as a kid growing up. Yeah, extreme, like vitamins. Yeah, they're like vitamins, only better because yeah. they're full of sugar. And then uh, I remember going to your office there at Disney and you literally, it was like the clouds open, the, the angels sang and somehow you had an entire two and a half pound bag of just the charms way more it was an industrial size trash bag full (laughs) of just the marshmallows and at the time i was probably like 32 or three or something 34 years old and it was like a literally like a kid in the candy store i think i took him home and ate the whole bag in like a week or something it was so exciting mark that's when you really made an impression on me. Forget all this other stuff for Stefanos. It was the Lucky Charms, man. The, just the charms separated. I don't know if it was by hand or whatever, but there they were. Why did you have, I mean, can you tell this secret? Like, why did you have just the charms in a bag? Our promotions department at Disney, I mean, at the time, Disney was probably the best of any studio with national promotions. And they had an amazing deal with General Mills for all their cereal brands tied into, I think it was mostly animated films, but there were probably some live action. I worked with promotions group quite a bit. And I don't know, one day, like they had a bunch of boxes of Lucky Charms come in and like, oh my God, I love those and so on and they gave me a bunch of boxes and they'd usually give everyone in the department you know a couple boxes i don't even remember how it came up with whoever the account exec was that dealt with general mills but definitely put it out there my love for the marshmallows and i had done a lot of stuff to get general mills a lot of promotion on whatever movie it was next thing i know there's like this industrial sized bag of marshmallows that <laughs> was shipped to me direct from General Mills. Literally, your reaction was my reaction and everybody in my department's reaction and everyone in the promotions department reaction. And it was like, dig your hands in and grab as much as you can. But I remember that vividly coming to the studio to visit you there, which was a thrill anyway for me to just be on the lot and go there and see you. But when those charms came out, man, that was it. That that has stuck with me for almost 30 years now, and that'll be, that's one of my highlights of my life, Mark. Okay, that's fine. I'm glad I could be a part of it. But um, let's talk about some of the movies you worked on while at Disney. Toy Story 2, A Bug's Life, Pearl Harbor, Tarzan, Armageddon, 102 Dalmatians, Fantasia 2000. Are any of those particularly those movies that stand out to you working on those or any filmmakers or any anecdotes about working on yeah. any of those films? It was amazing. And I worked on all the animated films while I was there. Those were a blast. My biggest regret on those were Toy Story 2 
we had the junket at El Capitan. I, I think they called the entertainment center at the time. And this guy named Steve Jobs was just like kicking around the hallways, <laughs> you know, kind of just watching us all in action. And it was pretty funny. Um, it's like we chose not to involve him in the junket. And it's like, I look back and it's like, why didn't we do that? You didn't have the contacts then, right? It wasn't, it, that was early. No, right? it's like he was there because, yeah, he owned Pixar. We just were like, let's keep it on cue with the movie and that's that. And yeah, we didn't have anyone like that at that point, you know, executives doing the junkets, but it would have added something. But yeah, movie still kind of went on and did okay um, after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess, you know, Steve didn't hold anything back, but probably, uh, I mean, there were a lot of great movies and a lot of great experiences, but I would say- Can um, I ask you about Armageddon? Yes. You know, I remember going on a studio visit while they were filming. You saw the stage that they dug out cement and got, I don't know, like 50 feet down. That was the surface- It was incredible. Yeah, it was the surface of the asteroid. And I remember walking by, I was with a bunch of theater owners who were getting a tour- I remember Steve Buscemi yelling out, Michael Bay. I could hear I could hear <laughs> Buscemi's voice yelling to Michael Bay to ask him about something because they were literally filming on that soundstage while we were... I couldn't see them. We could kind of see the set a little bit, unless I'm misremembering that, but I... Probably correct. Would that have been one of Disney's own, like, Show West events? I forget what they called them. Yeah, it was one of those... Uh, you know, like a studio visit, but here in town yeah. to go to the studio. And that was really cool back then. And it was like being on a field trip in grade school, but going to see Armageddon being filmed in real time. I just thought that was great because, you know, you had what's now CinemaCon, but so West back in the day where the studios would bring the talent to Las Vegas and then Disney had the great idea of bringing the exhibitors to Hollywood and see the celebrities, you know, the talent and the filmmakers, but actually see some of the magic behind it. And Disney was always the best at that. Working there and arranging a lot of the activities for the exhibitors, it was so much fun. That had to be really exciting. And I know that some of the, uh, today we can't even imagine because it's really not done to that degree. Back in the day, for those listening, you know, there used to be these enormous events either in Vegas for Show West, which is now CinemaCon, or here in the company town <laughs> in Burbank at the studios hosting those in the industry, especially exhibitors, theater owners. And I remember at Show West having Phil Collins performing for Tarzan live for the group, going to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, for Tarzan. It's just these really cool events. And there's still cool events there, don't get me wrong. But the pomp and circumstance and the epic scope of some of these events and being able to go on a studio lot and tour a working set for a movie like Armageddon back then was just magical. Yeah. Very cool initiatives by Disney at that time. It's truly, you know, showbiz. And they made sure everyone left, you know, knowing that they're a part of it. And the whole point was just, hey, exhibitors, you guys do so much for us and we're giving a little bit back to you in a way that we can. And then going from the Disney experience, certainly bringing your lucky charms with you <laughs> from 2001 <laughs> through 2009, you were VP of national publicity for Warner Brothers Pictures Marketing. You developed and executed a lot of really cool campaigns for the Harry Potter franchise, 300, Watchmen, Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation, 
and Superman Returns. And also for critically acclaimed films like Michael Clayton, Happy Feet, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. What was your experience like there at Warner's? I mean, you're talking about Disney and then Warner Brothers, just pretty incredible. And you had had that title Warner Brothers from back in your college days. How cool was it to finally be there at Warner Brothers? It was like a dream come true. I mean, talk about, you know, your dream job and it actually happening. First off, just going back to Disney for a second. The second to last film I worked on was Pearl Harbor. And that was one of the greatest experiences of my career because we actually had the premiere and press junket in Pearl Harbor. On That's what, right. At the time, it was the world's largest nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. And that was just absolutely phenomenal. But it was also like reliving Pearl Harbor. So at that point, it's like, okay, I need to move on. The Warner Brothers job, timing was perfect because they were really interested in me coming in to oversee the Harry Potter franchise. So I was there for the first one, and unfortunately 9-11 happened two months before it came out. So it dampered a lot of our plans, but still had the premiere in London, Leicester Square, with police um, snipers on every roof around, which made it really interesting. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, Warner Brothers, again, it was the dream come true. And, you know, the films that it worked on, really, really exciting. And with a lot of big filmmakers and great talent. You know, you mentioned 300 and promotions. That was a blast because I don't think anyone at the studio saw what that film was going to be. That's right. And while Zack Snyder was in production, you know, I'm getting publicity stills or little snippets of dailies. And it looked like people were joking that like, okay, we're now making porno films. <laughs> and because it's all these, you know, yeah. basically naked men against green screen. And it was hysterical. <laughs> At the time we were thinking, you know, what's the closest to Spartans going to war and fighting? And it was like, two things one was the ufc ultimate fighting i don't even remember what the C championship or something yeah, like that uh -huh. but chuck liddell was their champ at the time and he had a championship fight i think it was like new year's eve of 2006 i went to him and his manager and said hey we want to sponsor you for that fight and they're like what are you thinking and i'm like all right i want the 300 logo across your but, <laughs> and they're like, well, we usually put the logos on the front of the shorts. And I'm like, well, nobody's going to see the front in this fight. It's going to be camera angle from behind him pounding on Tito Ortiz. And they're like, we'll get back to you on that. And they came back and said, sure. And his corner man had 300 t-shirts and he ended up winning. And it was exactly like I thought. Um, you saw 300 on his ass. <laughs> and then the Super Bowl I'm going to Disneyland moment came totally unexpected, you know, in his speech after the fight. I wish I had a tape of it. He just broke off from his normal thing that he would say after winning. And he's like, okay, there's a movie coming out in March. And everyone that's watching this fight needs to see this movie and he started talking about 300 literally it was like the greatest thing because that was not part of the plan and then the rest of the plan was leading up to the release we did a tour that chuck went to like 10 cities around the country we had radio promotions be among the first 300 to see 300 with chuck liddell and every screening was packed the radio stations hosted parties afterwards chuck was there and it was Really, really phenomenal. I love how innovative you are. The way you think, you know, we talk about thinking outside of the box. And back in college, you were going to the 
police station and asking them to give out tickets to a movie. I mean, this kind of follows, I think, in that tradition of thinking outside of the box and being innovative. It goes along with, you know, we're in showbiz. And, you know, so much of that stuff used to be done and kind of tapered off because of budget constraints, you know, whatever it is. The other thing that made sense with 300 was the NHL, you know, because of the fighting and hockey. And <laughs> I went to someone there who I actually, to this day, still work with. He's not there anymore. We came up with this plan and they cut a 30 second spot mixing in actual NHL fight footage with film footage and, you know, where there's a hockey stick flying in the air, you know, it switches quickly to a sword flying in the air the sliding and so on. And they ended up airing that in every single hockey broadcast for every single team for a month leading up to the film's release. Gave out promo items at the games and it was just, it was great. Things like that. It was, it was so much fun to do working on, you know, films like that. That's really cool. And I know you worked on Happy Feet and of course, George Miller, an absolute icon. Yes. Iconic genius. filmmaker, absolute genius. I know that you know, Mad Max Fury Road is for each of us, one of, one of our favorites. favorite films of all time. Remember, I went with you to the premiere of that. Yes. And thank you for <laughs> taking me with you because <laughs> that movie made a huge impression on me. By the way, there's a book about the making of, uh, it's called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. It's about the making of Mad Max Fury Road, and it's a great listen on Audible, or you can read it. I just know that seeing that movie was mind-blowing. I remember telling you at the time, we left the theater, and I felt drunk, and I hadn't been drinking at all. But that movie was such a, and I mean this in the best way, an assault on the senses. And I don't know if we saw it at the Chinese theater. The Chinese, yeah. yeah. And that's an insanely huge screen, very immersive. And I remember that too. And that was really cool. And you got you worked on Happy Feet, which is a very different type of movie. Oh, yeah. George um, Completely. But with Mad Max, I just remember the two of us were at the party and still blown away yeah. by what we saw. It. We were like, listen best picture i remember talking to different people who were like okay it was good but you know not that good and it's like no best picture absolutely and you know look at what it went on to do it didn't win but you know it was up there i don't remember how many nominations it got it was one of the coolest movies to come out of a major studio ever yeah i know that if you read this book it was an absolute i don't know how to describe it it it, it was one of the most arduous shoots in hollywood history Maybe only Apocalypse Now rivaled it in terms of just the angst, the uphill battle, the headwinds, the infighting, the all the great stuff that is almost as entertaining as the movie itself was what was going on behind the scenes. And from what I understand, and this isn't a George Miller podcast here, but... We could do one. He's a very mild-mannered guy. He grew up either studying medicine or was... He's a doctor. And so he has this very, like, nurturing nature. Like, he doesn't come off like you would think... Anyway, but... That had to be really cool, just working on Happy Feet, working with filmmakers like that. And yeah, George Miller, absolute genius. You mentioned that. I totally forgot about this. So was Happy Feet was, I think it was 2006. My son was getting a ton of ear infections and at some point mentioned it to him on the phone as we were talking and working on the film over the almost year that we were working together. And we finally have the premiere in LA and my son went to it and he literally like pulls me aside at the party and he's like, is your family here? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I want to see your son. 
And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, how are the ear infections? Oh <laughs> my God, like, that's incredible. He's talking to my wife and I, you know, our son right there. And he's asking all these questions. Because yeah, he's a doctor, like you said. And I think yeah. a lot of people, yeah. most people don't know that, but I, I'm sure cinephiles do. But And happy feet. Yeah, that was November 17, 2006. My birthday. Uh, that that opened. Opened with $41.5 Went on to earn $385.9 million globally. That's unadjusted wow. for inflation. What a massive hit. A total departure, yeah. George Miller, but such a great movie. And the best part is that we won Best Animated Film at the Oscars. That's great, man. That was the best part. Well, let's fast forward now. Let's talk about what you're working on now. And again, I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, and you're listening to my mini screens, big picture podcast with my dear friend and just somebody I've known for years who's a movie fan and an innovative marketing genius, Mark Cohen. I'm so glad that you're on the podcast. And let's talk about what you're doing now, what you're working on to bring us all up to date on, on what you're doing right now. Thank you again for having me. I left Warner Brothers in 2009 uh, as the world was going very digital and the movie industry wasn't ready for it. It's, I guess, the nicest way to put that <laughs> yep and i just decided you know i see a lot of things in the future you know one example at warner brothers i started a relationship with apple who literally i was told by internal people i was wasting my time with that there's nothing there and yeah i think we can all say that was not correct <laughs> so i left and started consulting and i did a lot of consulting for Warner, Warner Home Entertainment, Disney doing digital marketing. I have done a little bit of everything. I you know, worked for some technology companies. I've worked for filmmakers, talent, and so on directly. I've done a lot of awards campaigns, you know, back into some studios for extended periods of time. And that's just been amazing because, you know, I get to look at the big picture and bring things together. Yeah, you know, the way I always imagined it, but sometimes had a tough time in the positions I had been at studios. And you know, one of probably all-time exper greatest experiences was an old boss had brought me into Fox. I was working on, it was when the DreamWorks animation relationship started. So I was helping set that up in marketing sense. And then I segued over to the Life of Pi awards campaign. Actually, before the awards campaign, before it was released, James Cameron came forward and said, hey, you know, since they were using his technology for the 3D filming of the movie. He's like, I'll do some interviews. Well, immediately everyone was like, okay, let's put him on Entertainment Tonight. Let's have him talk to the LA Times. I'm like, Entertainment Tonight's only going to ask about Avatar 2 and, you know, when that's coming and so on. And I said, why don't we control the narratives? And I personally at the time didn't like 3D movies, live action 3D movies. And seeing Life of Pi in 3D was it just blew me away. And I'm like, that's the only, other than Hugo at the time, it was the only yes, movie yeah. that I thought had to be seen in 3D. So it came up with this whole plan. Let's cut basically an interstitial together, have Cameron talk about why this movie had to be shot the way it was, having Lee talk about working with that technology and yeah, you know, what it brings to the film. We had the DP talking about it, all mixed with clips, all telling the story we wanted to tell. And I went to someone in distribution and said, hey, we've got this piece and want to work with you guys and give it to an exhibitor exclusively to run. And literally, I just remember being stared at, like, 
who are you? <laughs> You're in publicity. Why are you coming to us wanting to work with us? After that shock, they came back and said, AMC wants it exclusively. We were cutting like a two minute long piece. They're like, they want that piece and they want a 30 second version. Uh, or no, a 60 second. And they agreed to put it in front of every screening of every movie for the, I believe it was, it was two or three weeks prior. Couldn't ask for anything better for free advertising. That's a home run, that's for sure. Wow. That's so cool. Again, you know, the positioning and, you know, we know what Life of Pi went on to do and things like that I just absolutely love. You know, another film I got brought on to, I had a relationship with Angelina Jolie going back to Disney and I had done like some personal publicity for her while I was at Warner Brothers working with her on Taking Lives and Alexander. I was brought on to her directorial debut in Land of Blood and Honey. Got involved with that and one of the things that she had not done at that point was anything online and she just was very wary of it so convinced her to do an essentially an online chat but again instead of just doing it in a small way she had done a cover for marie claire which was part of hearst and had this whole idea to basically syndicate the online chat across all hearst publications which i believe there were something like that's huge 20 or 21 oh, that's huge and went to them and said okay, what do you think about this? And like Car and Driver and there was some other <laughs> automobile publication that didn't make sense, but they distributed Oprah's magazine, all these other women's magazines. And like, we can give you an ability to plug into this live chat. It'll only be on those websites for those magazines. So each magazine doesn't have to promote a competitor. They promote themselves, you know, come on this date and this time and ask Angelina Jolie questions. And she had actress from the film. It went longer, way longer than it was supposed to. And we had, I think, it was over a million viewers worldwide live, but I think in the first 24 hours, it was like over 3 million people had viewed the chat. To put this in context, we're talking about Christmas 2011 when the, the movie came out. Right. Yeah. In the land yeah. of blood and honey. I remember this movie. That's incredible. And again, 2011, totally different world. And I think that's what you do, Mark. You see ahead. You're looking, you know, in the future, you're kind of reading what you think will happen with technology, but also how to best have that serve publicizing and marketing the movie, raising awareness and all that. And you were, yeah. you were probably like Don Quixote a bit, kind of for a lot of people <laughs> trying to I don't know. rail at the windmills. I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's again, you know, every movie has their own unique audience. You know, even if it's mainstream, people that don't go to movies all the time. And if you can hit them, uh, if it's connected to a passion of theirs, if you bring it right to them, yeah, they're likely to go see it. It's a big challenge. I've always been up to it. Wow. Well, Mark, this has been great. I could talk to you a lot longer, but Mark Cohen, just an incredible friend and somebody who I respect so much. I mean, really. And uh, to step from De Stefano's. Oh, and real quick before we wrap here, the movie Heat. Uh, that was another, another film that one. we bonded over. Definitely Michael Mann, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and of course Val Kilmer and the late uh, Tom Sizemore. We bonded over that movie Heat. Such a great film. I just remember how much we loved the same movies, and I just enjoy listening to your, your stories. Some of these I've never heard before. So that's why I love interviewing friends who are also professionals in the industry, because I get to learn a lot more about you. There's a lot of stuff. And you it's know still some going. of the stuff we can't talk about. <laughs> no, I yeah. know, I know. Some of the stuff we, yeah. 
That's right. Yeah. What's funny, you mentioned heat. As you know, I, right before COVID, built the screening room at my house. And the first movie to test out the whole system was heat. Yeah. And I didn't tell you this before, but the second film was the uh, Chrome version of Mad Max, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Fury Road. Yeah. Great sound. Sounds important. And I remember on heat. I had to test that. When they blow up the armored car and the windshields blow out all those cars at the use car lot next to where they blow up the uh, armored car you could just feel the percussive blast in your chest in the theater and if you had a really good home theater you could too but nothing like it in the theater mad max same thing the sound design absolutely incredible but thank you mark for being here on many screens big picture for com score mark cohen entertainment marketing and public relations executive thanks again thank you again paul and i'll see you at the movies mark Maybe at your house. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right.